calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the multiverse, it's the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the natural products industry. Episode 85, today, end of day stress management part two. I'm here with Dana. Hi, Dana. Hello. So I got some great response to the last episode. I figured today let's keep going with the conversation because last time we just kind of skimmed the surface and talked pretty generally about stress. So today I want to get a little bit more real with it since, you know, we're all pretty freaking stressed out. Mm. (laughs) Today, I actually have a to-do list for everyone. We're going to make you do stuff before we talk. First, foremost, vote. Please. (laughs) I'm like doing my Dave Chappelle over here. Vote. I'm like, you can't see me leaning (laughs) over. Um, You got to vote. So this is for all the potatoes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know what? There's actually a website, Mm votevotevote.com. Anywhere in the country, you can find out where your early voting locations are listed. Vote or die. Yeah. So Woodstock (laughs) is an early voting spot. So I'm pretty proud to be one of the few places in Ulster County right here in our backyard. So we're going to vote early. You know, vote early, vote in person. Location anyway. Say that again. It's your polling location. Yeah, yeah. Like where I go to vote anyway is Mm -hmm. the official early voting location. So I mean, it's like they were waiting for me to show up. I know they're like, you know what? We got to make this easy for Dana. So, so you got to vote early, (laughs) and you got to vote often if they allow ballot stuffing. I'm just kidding. Um, I prefer everybody to vote in person this year. I really feel like we need on election night to see. dramatic results the mail-in voting if you're worried about your safety then you know please by all means just vote whatever but get out vote wear your mask stay distant stand in line and hopefully then in the next four years we can make it so voting isn't so stinking difficult because this is absolutely ridiculous that people are waiting 10 hours to cast a ballot so it is very important that we do our social stuff and engage as we do um because it matters like to reiterate sorry to keep talking over you Mm -hmm. um i would like to reiterate i've said this on another podcast but if you have a mail-in ballot, you can also drop it off with your board of elections. You don't have to, if you're worried about actually mailing it back because there's been mm, some sketchy yeah. goings on, mm-hmm. you can fill out the mail-in ballot and then just drop it off at your board of elections. And it's, you know, totally valid. You don't have to deal with being in public that way either, but that's a very good way to avoid the crowds and be, you know, have peace of mind that your ballot has been delivered because you delivered it to where it's supposed to go. Vote or die. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So exactly. I'm done with that. Yeah. So um, another thing that's a to do that I think is top priority for everybody is to subscribe to Amazon Prime and watch that stinking Borat movie. Because I think the Borat movie is what's going to save society. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Um, if you haven't heard, there's some scandalous stuff that's already been kind of teased out there about the Borat movie. Um, you know, take it for what it is. Of course, it's a dramatic satire that plays on, you know, race and genders and and politics and everything like that and always has. And whatever. But the more important thing is what happens when you shine that light. And I think that 
if you don't watch Borat and that's not your speed, I definitely recommend you take a look at Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat's creator, of course, an actor. Uh, when he went to the Anti-Defamation League, he got a leadership award in 2019. And his speech, it's 20 minutes. And it's probably some of the most resonant words that I think all Americans should hear right now. We, our challenge is misinformation. That's what he believes. And he believes that there are specific um, uh, problems and channels where this misinformation is being spread. And I can't agree with him any more and say it any better than he has. So I believe that everyone should listen to that. So those are the three to do's. You're going to vote or die. And then you're going to watch Borat. And if you don't watch Borat, at least check out that ADL speech. It's very moving. And it's, it's definitely, you know, speaks to what we are as Americans and what we're trying to do here. So um, so totally. that's all I got. So um, I do want to talk about some COVID stuff before we get into the stress conversation. Sure. Um, one of the things that came up was a Japanese model, uh, not like a model, like a, a fashion model, but like a model of droplet spread. That paper was published yesterday to try to put some data on paper that says that the masks aren't just protecting the spread, but they're also protecting you from getting sick. Okay. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the scientific media took it and said, Oh, look, it masks save lives. And so here's the thing, like that's a no duh statement. If, if we're now knowing that coronavirus is spread by respiratory droplets, we know that masks, especially the higher quality, multiple layer ones are going to prevent those bigger respiratory droplets from spreading. We know that, right? They're not perfect. Yes. It's not going to be 100%. So we have to use that Swiss cheese model that we talked about where it's a bunch of different interventions all at once. But wouldn't it make sense that if a big respiratory droplet got to your mask and they're good at preventing respiratory droplets from transitioning, <laughs> passing through, mm -hmm. would, wouldn't it stop it from coming into your lungs? It makes a lot of sense, right? Um, so, so it's a kind of a no-duh thing. I definitely think that we need uh, that information. And a lot of the anti-mask stuff, as we said time and time again, is coming from a place when we didn't understand that coronavirus was spread via respiratory droplets, or at least the populace didn't, right? Um, so we, you know, viruses can move through these masks if the virus is the only thing that's traveling because they're so small. Yes. So it's about the respiratory droplets. So I just want, if you see that, don't, you know, don't like rub it in everybody's noses. It's a no duh kind of thing. Um, and we should get to the point where we understand that as a part of a defense mechanism, it's not just preventing the spread, but it's also protecting you as well. So just wanted right. to say that. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is uh, one of uh, the listeners sent in an email request and was talking about a preliminary research paper about pneumovax vaccine and COVID protection. And I think we've touched on this a little bit on the episode. I know I talk about it a lot in store and with my patients on the phone. Uh, so mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about it here. Um, and again, the researchers essentially saying, if you get the pneumonia vaccine, you're more likely to have greater defenses against COVID, less uh, severity, you know, and potentially even less infectiousness. We don't really know. It's all preliminary stuff. It's theoretical. And I've seen a number of papers that say, if you have these vaccines, this is how you respond, you know, so unvaccinated folks always tend to do worse than vaccinated folks. And so again, that's another thing that's almost fits into the no dub bin, but I think it's good to have the stuff on paper. And when I've been giving flu shots this year, I'm stressing to folks, it's way more important than ever to get all of your adult vaccinations caught up. 
because it seems the more you have, the better you do. Okay. It's not just taking that first dig into uh, your flu shot because you hear it's a good idea. It's, it's about getting caught up on everything. So a lot of people that are like 70 and never got their pneumonia shots or never got their tetanus booster and those kinds of things. So the question then becomes, yeah, I don't think I have a pneumonia vaccine. I yes. know tetanus is definitely up to date. Good. All right. Awesome. So this is a good point because the next question is, is which vaccine should I get? Right. Which vaccine do I need? And I think it's important that we go right to the horse's mouth, man. So Google CDC adult immunization schedule. That should take you to the CDC adult immunization schedule. And it is a chart. And I feel like we can just kind of scroll through. We can put the link in the show notes, I guess. But um, what I want you to understand about vaccinations as an adult, um, there are basically two big bins. There are adults over 65, and then there are adults under 65, so basically 19 to 65, that have some sort of risk factor, meaning some other disease, normally some sort of immune suppression, um, some sort of uh, complicated disease, so heart disease, lung disease, um, severe allergies, something like that, diabetes. These are the reasons uh, that you would get into that bin. You have some other risk factor. So those are the two main bins that people fit into for adult vaccines. So as it pertains to everybody, okay, there are a number of vaccines that you need. Now, most of us don't need to like go out and get like an MMR, for example, because you probably got that when you went to college or when you graduated high school, right? Most of us, when we turned 19, our doctors were giving us those vaccines. So it's important to check your immunization status to make sure that you have gotten the important vaccines that everybody should get from ages 19 to 150, right? So those kinds of things are like flu shots. So the CDC recommends that any adult, 19 and above, should get a flu shot every single year, right? They also recommend that you get a dose of tetanus. Now, tetanus is actually not just tetanus. It's always tetanus with diphtheria, okay? And in fact, there's one form of tetanus that has pertussis or whooping cough protection. And the CDC recommends that all adults from 19 to 65 get at least one dose of the one with pertussis. It's called Tdap, okay? Tdap, whooping cough protection, and tetanus protection along with diphtheria. We've found that the whooping cough vaccines that we got as children it doesn't give lifelong immunity. So it's good to get a booster, okay? So mm. the CDC recommends that you get that Tdap between 19 and 65. Now, if you've gotten that and 10 years have passed, you need another booster. And you can, if you've already gotten that one with the whooping cough, you don't really need to get it again, but the CDC is cool with you getting that every 10 years, okay? So mm. this is something that uh, the the those two, the flu shots and the tetanus are the adult vaccines that all people, healthy or not, would get on a recurring basis. Flu shots every year and tetanus with the pertussis every 10 years. Okay? Right. Um, I had whooping cough. I don't know if I ever shared this story with you. So, oh, no. Uh, yeah, I was dating a girl from Socrates. I went to her college. I think she was at Oneonta or something like that. And I got some bad pizza and uh, like like threw up, right? So, But I was throwing up in the freaking boy's like gross bathroom that was shared because I came from pharmacy school. So we had our own private stuff. Right. So I'm in the, like the main like poop room, you know, and I threw up and I guess I aspirated 
when that mm-hmm. happened. And I got whooping cough and I coughed for two months, not even exaggerating. And uh, there was actually a three day cycle where I, I literally coughed consistently. I didn't sleep for three days and it was horrific. And they had to like have me come into the doctor's office in the back and like everybody had a gown up and everything. And so don't get whooping cough. <laughs> Trust me, it is. Yeah. And along with that, just because I heard about it on another science podcast, there was another vaccine causes some sort of weird thing that it doesn't cause mm-hmm. scare in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. So that's like sort of our generation. So if you were born between like 1980 and 1985-ish, yeah. especially in England, I know it was a huge problem. Definitely check your records to make sure that you were vaccinated because a whole lot of children born during those years were denied that vaccine because their parents had heard some you know, scare thing. propaganda. Yeah, I got it. So yeah, so make sure that you have that up to date. Um, So basically, those are the two that all adults would get on a recurring basis. The rest of them are typically one time or a small series. Um, So like MMRs, for example, like, again, I got it at 19. I had to get it before I went to pharmacy school. And I think it was like one or two doses. And then you have chickenpox. So I had chickenpox, so I didn't need the vaccine. But now they give people a vaccine. They're like, well, uh, you know, they do the masculine thing. I I don't want to get a vaccine. I would just get sick and my immune system would, you know, like all of that stuff. But the Mm -hmm. thing that people don't say is that most people have no problem with chickenpox, but there's like, I think it was like 14,000 or something like kids were hospitalized and like a few hundred kids every year would die. Um, So, and it went to nearly zero once the vaccine came out. So it's preventable. We can just avoid that. So, so the chickenpox vaccine is really like only if you haven't had it yet. And then we have the other stuff that younger folks would get that they would only get if they were in that high risk category. So again, if you have these other diseases, diabetes or whatever the risk factors and the, and it's all listed here on the site, but it's like pneumonia shots, right? So we're talking about this COVID thing, right? So should I get the pneumonia shot if I'm under 65 to protect me from COVID? Well, the answer is yes, if you have these other risk factors. Otherwise, there's no justification for it, okay? So that kind of, I hope, answers that question. And then there's like stuff like hepatitis A, meningococcal, and then HIV, right? So that's the hemophilus influenza B, right? So that's that one. And those are all based on your risk factors. So if you're under 65 and you're healthy, no immune compromisation, you've got no diabetes and, and you're good, you don't need any of those other vaccines. Then we got the bin of those folks that are 65 and up, right? And 65 and up, it's a smaller pool, right? So like hepatitis A and B is typically only for like medical workers and meningococcal and stuff like that. Again, only if you have risk. There's a small pool of things that everybody over 65 needs to get at least once, right? So the first one is pneumonia. (laughs) So you got to get a pneumonia shot if you're over 65. So if you're listening to this, you're over 65, haven't got a pneumonia shot, it is time. You have to get that. You get one dose and that's it. All right. There used to be two pneumonia shots. It was actually funny. One of my patients came up with this. He's like, well, is it the old pneumonia or the new pneumonia <laughs> vaccine? <laughs> so I was going to use that for the end joke, but I don't think oh, that's too lame. So <laughs> also there was one joke that I was uh, uh, playing with, like um, the, the what happened to the penguin? Oh, he got the flu. Like he can't fly anymore. I don't know, whatever. So it didn't uh, work. So it didn't land. Yeah, so yeah. I was going to workshop that one. So uh, yeah. So the, um, so the pneumonia shot 
you get one dose after age 65 and you're good. There used to be two and you can still get that second one if you feel like you want it or your doctor feels like you need it. But really right now, the recommendation is just to get the one pneumonia shot. So 65 year olds, get your flu shot, get your pneumonia shot, then you're good. Get your flu shot every year. Then there's the the new shingles vaccine, which is something I promote quite a bit. And that's for 50 and above. So if you're 50 years old, you get that. It's two doses, one now, one in two to six months. That's that sequence. And then you're good for life, we hope. You know, And hopefully you live a long life mm-hmm. so you get your money's worth, right? So um, so, <laughs> so it's for older folks, it's pneumonia and shingles. And then for everybody else, it's flu shots every year and tetanus boosters with pertussis or without pertussis every 10 years. So those are the vaccines that you should get. Make sure that you're all up to date on your immunizations. Call your doctor, make a list, check it twice, because a lot of folks don't know which vaccines they've had. And it's really important for you to keep that list when you got what vaccines. You know, in our store, we try to help patients as much as we can with that. And now we're moving to a place where the state is um, requiring reporting of it. So we actually submit immunization data to them. And then there's a centralized database, which is like, you know, 40 years way too late. So, uh, but yeah, mm. check out that immunization guide because it is important this year that you get as much protection as possible. you get everything that you need all up to snuff because it seems those folks who have all the immunizations up to date do better with COVID. Okay. So I hope that helps. That was a lot. That was a lot. Good so stuff. yeah, it's good. Yeah, good I feel like I have to call my doctor after this. Exactly. So just call your doctor, figure out what you got. And if you're under 65 and you're healthy, flu shots, tetanus, over 65, pneumonia, flu shots, tetanus, and shingles. Boom. Okay. So let's do something else. So my weight, you know, whatever. Um, Let's not talk about my weight. What I want to talk about is something that comes up every single consult that I have with everybody is like the idea of what's healthy in food. And we have to remember we're sold a bill of goods, man, with all these freaking fake influencers and Instagram folks. Like when I say what's healthy, somebody said to me today, like juicing and stuff like that. And and I'm like, that's, that is something that healthy people do, but it's not a healthy thing because you're just taking all the fiber and healthy stuff away from the plant and just having the sugar water. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so you're having like vitamin water What vitamin water should kind of should have been right. Not 50 cent, mm-hmm. you know, selling out on us anyway, but whatever. Um, the, the idea here is that our nutritional problems are way simpler than, you're led to believe the system leads you to believe. So make sure that from a nutrition standpoint, you're eating small, frequent meals throughout the day that are balanced with proteins, fats, and complex carbohydrates. That's the fix. If you can do that, you will feel better. I guarantee it. And that kind of leads into the conversation around stress because, you know, there's always other stuff going on there. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we get on that same page because the theme in most of my consults over the past week has been, again, nutrition and stress. And everybody isn't playing dietary Jenga, as I call. They're, they're, they're putting all of the weight on their tower at the top in these more, you know, unessential things about like juicing and organic and GMO instead of focusing on the foundation of their Jenga tower, which is small, frequent meals, proteins, fats, and complex carbohydrates. That's the foundation of your nutrition and focus on that more than you focus on anything else. You'll be much healthier. Yeah. I have an anecdote about that too, as far as what is supposedly healthy food and what isn't. I won't shout out any specific products, but we all know that there are brands that make like veggie style foods that are supposed to mimic meat. And last summer I was dealing with, um, just like a lot of pain in my right foot and my, um, 
uh, plantar fasciitis was flaring up worse than it ever had. And I was eating a lot of these plant-based foods thinking that it was a little bit healthier than, you know, like hormone injected meat or whatever. And, you know, once I was like, I'm just going to go back to cooking my own food just because I felt like a change. And literally within two days of stopping with that over-processed like, you know, I, I keep wanting to call them by their real names. We'll just call them patties because mm-hmm. they were fake chicken patties. All the pain in my foot just went away like it wasn't even there at all. And it occurred to me that despite the fact that these are made out of vegetables, they are processed within an inch of their life. And so that is just as bad for you as any of this other garbage that is, you know, like overly salted to preserve it and loaded with sugar, etc., So if you want to eat a plant-based diet, I mean, I guess you can go with one of these meat substitutes once in a while, but think of it as a treat. If you're going to be a vegetarian, then you have to cook up vegetables because no matter what you're eating, you want the food in its as close to natural state as you can get it, you know, because like what I was dealing with, I assume, was inflammation from heavily processed and salted food even though it was still vegetables. So don't fall into that little trap like I did. Without a doubt. It's important for people to hear that because you're trying, right? You're saying, so what do I do to to make a change, right? So what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so the world has taught us that there are these things that you can do that are healthier than other things. And they try to simplify it, turn into a product so that way they can make a profit on it, right? So they're saying plant-based is healthier. And so you have this in your mind because of like what's been told to you. And so you go do the thing, but it's actually no different. So my dairy alternatives blog comes to mind, you know, where we talk about how that's actually not even close to a dairy alternative. At best, they're water alternatives. They shouldn't be considered dairy alternatives. They're sunny delight that tastes like almonds. Like that's what it is. And um, yeah, so you're right. So all of these, and this this kind of speaks to the juicing thing, like the idea of what is a healthy endeavor. And it's all of these trendy, silly things instead of eating real food simply. And you know, the concept of simple but not easy we've discussed quite a bit. So yeah, I mean mm-hmm. it's really important to, you know, just eat real stuff and just keep it keep it real. Keep it real. Exactly. Um, so let's get into stress management. So in last week's episode, we covered the different types of supplements that you could use for stress. And so we've been I feel like we've been trained to reach for a product or a formula without considering what's actually in the bottle. And that's why I do that. So I've said in a few blogs before that the front of a bottle and the websites and all that stuff that you're reading about a product, that's all marketing. The source of truth about a supplement is actually the supplement facts panel. It's the actual list of the actual ingredients, right? And Mm. so when it comes to these ingredients, they it may seem like a lot, it's overwhelming. And like, you're like, oh my God, there's so much stuff in here. But you remember there's categories, right? Herbs, vitamins, omega-3s, probiotics, such and such, you know, yada, 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 right? So when people ask me for advice, I feel like my first step is to clarify what do we have available to us, right? So before we go to specific products or specific formulas, because it's labeled that it's a stress formula, we got to take a step back and understand what it is that we could use and how it would work in our body. And then 
find the thing tailored to what we're looking for versus just buying these combo garbage products, right? And so that's why we discussed all of that, like in our first episode, talking about the more general. These are the things that you can buy. So now let's talk more specifically to review. In general, we have calming agents, we have vitamins, we have the glandulars, and we have these those like adaptogens, which essentially I feel are like calming agents part two in most situations. We also talked about that overall strategy. And so, you know, prop my butt up on that soapbox again. And if we're going to be like, hey, we want a more holistic approach about all of this, we need to be holistic. (laughs) Holistic isn't supplements only. And it's not like going to a fake doctor in like a strip mall somewhere. Holistic means whole, right? We have to deal with all of the stuff. And trust me, there's plenty of great real doctors that are in strip malls. I'm not beating up strip mall doctors. That's not the point <laughs> of what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm saying that the industry, the machine here is going to tell us what's healthy, what's holistic. And then they're also going to tell us what's bad. And that's not what we want. We want to think for ourselves, right? So again, the example of what's healthy, Dana, plant-based foods, juicing, right? That's not what we want. So holistic is everything. So we need a strategy, especially with stress. We need a, a very comprehensive strategy. One of the parts of stress is that feeling of a loss of control. I know that my stress comes from the overwhelming nature of all the different things that I have to do. And, mm-hmm. and that in and of itself sucks. But I also know that if I start with something, I start to feel better because I start to have momentum. And I think big part of the resolution of stress is that momentum, right? It's taking steps towards becoming that better thing that we're looking for. So instead of sitting there and wallowing in and the suffering, we start to take actions. And that momentum is a stress reliever in and of itself. So implementing a strategy is very, very important. So our general strategy, as we said, is what's our strategy for holistic care, Dana? What, What do we call it? The wellness pyramid. Oh, yeah. Wellness pyramid. So it's three components of the wellness pyramid. Lifestyle modifications first. The foundational stuff. It stresses how important this part is because it's the bottom of a pyramid, which is probably the most important part, right? The rest of the layers are vitally dependent upon it. So again, the reason we put it here and the reason that we stress it is because I think most people are doing you dirty, right? If you go to somebody and you say, I have allergies, and they reach for a bottle of nettles instead of saying, hey, can you just do me a favor and not have your cat sleep on your face at night, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Uh, if you need to lose weight, selling you Crave Assist products over telling you to put down the haagen it's disingenuous. It's not good holistic care right? So we need this model. And the five modifications, of course, nutrition, sleep, stress, exercise, and environment. And I list those in that order because that's what I think the, I guess the impact is, right? So most the least impactful, uh, because if you change your diet, you're going to feel a lot better. Sleep is the next stress is right after that. So stress in and of itself is a component that we need to work on managing our stress. So that's getting into mindfulness and meditation. And, and, you know, as another reader said, or another listener said, like, you know, taking breaks from social media and like deprogramming yourself, all of that is a part of our everyday stress management outside of what we're dealing with here. So then the second part of our model is the supplements. So So first we do the things, and then second we can say, let's buy the stuff that's available to us. Let's supplement what's missing from all of that stuff before. 
And this has to be strategic, just like everything else. So we start first with those vital nutrients, the vital five that are missing even from the best diet. They're beneficial to multiple body systems and supplementation can make better sense. Like I had this conversation with my kids. We started them back on vitamin D because I'm like, if these kids are going back to school, they need to have good vitamin D levels because that helps with COVID, right? And so we were talking about vitamin D and they're asking about the sun and everything. And I said, sometimes supplementation makes better sense. It's inexpensive. It's easy. It's consistent. And we don't have to worry about it. I said, you guys haven't seen the sun in day. You haven't seen a shower in, in long enough. You got dreadlocks right now. And you're going to say that you're going to get your vitamin D from the sun, right? So we don't, we don't want to do that. And same thing like omega-3. I want to just you know get it from my food. Totally cool. But six ounces of salmon every single day is a tall order unless you're the rock who's probably eating like a school of fish every day is like a protein source, right? So, yes. right, he's probably like whacking cod, like it's it's going out of style. Um, so he's like a, he's like a whale. He's just eating all the fish in the ocean. Um, so, so once good we, one, Neil. Thanks, baby. So, but he's if he was in the ocean, he would sink because he's the rock. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. So once we've covered those core nutrients as part of our strategy, then we would go to the other things that we could take to solve our current problems. This is where we would live when it comes to, Neil, what supplement should I use for my stress? We do all the lifestyle stuff. We get those core products. Then we say, how do we feel? Now, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to address? Okay. Um, but still here, we have to be smart. You have to use the right dose, the right form, and you have to use it for the right amount of time. I have a lot of folks that either set it and forget it. They start taking a product, don't know if it works, and they keep it around forever. And that's the stuff that makes these companies billions of dollars, right? They, you're on something that doesn't do anything, but you're too afraid to get rid of it, right? Um, so I say drop it if it's not working. And if you drop it and your life changes, put it back. You know, it's very, very simple. But we have to know how long we should take it before we experience results, what the results should be, if there should be, should be any, right? And, mm-hmm. and like when we should stop a product. So like the timing really has to kind of come into play. So then the last thing in the supplement group is any supplement that you want to take, because I know that people are just going to take stuff. And so it's like, Neil, I want to take zinc for my immunity, which is what our blog article about is this week. Um, the idea of that is fine to me if you're doing all the other stuff that has much more profound effect on your immunity, right? So probiotics, yeah. collagen, nutrition, sleep, exercise, all of that stuff. You can take whatever you want if you've done it strategically. So again, same thing, right form, right dose, right amount of time, right? So so third and finally, when it comes to the wellness pyramid, at the top of the pyramid is the medical professionals. And here's why I say all of this stuff, because in the case of stress management, I recommend full activation of all levels of the wellness pyramid at once. That's how you solve stress. You need to get some stress management techniques at the bottom level. You need to take care of the other things that could be influencing it, nutrition and sleep, right? Exercise. You need to get proper supplementation and you should have a medical professional that you're working with, including therapists. And of course, I'm partial to the folks who use mindfulness as a mainstay of therapy because I think it's the right answer based on our American brains and our modern society, right? So all three levels of the wellness pyramid is how you solve 
stress. Okay, so now let's get into some specifics. So I say all of that because I believe it's worth repeating. People need to hear the methodology, you know, over and over again. And so I had a peer, somebody my age yesterday, who sought my counsel for her stress. And so what she said to me was, I'm feeling really run down and I need to build myself up again. And I'm concerned that I have adrenal fatigue. So using the method that we talked about last week, because it's not like I'm making this crap up. This is actually how I do it. Um, I, <laughs> I started and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to figure out what that means. And then we're going to get you some treatment. Right. But I, the first part of the conversation is I hear you. Right. But adrenal fatigue really isn't real. It's, at least in the way that these like weekend warrior practitioners describe it, right? Chronic mm -hmm. stress is. So what you're describing to me, because she didn't really know it was a stress thing, right? She thought it was adrenal fatigue, which was you know related to stress, but she didn't know that it was what it was. I said that what you're describing is chronic stress. And it's probably, you know, using those words, it's probably better aligned with what you're trying to say when you say ad adrenal fatigue, right? So chronic stress is how we want to talk about this. So Last week, we talked about five steps that I do. So the first thing that we did was, tell me what you mean when you say, I feel stressed or I, I have adrenal fatigue, right? So she said that she had no energy during the day. She requires more coffee than usual. She wants to sleep by two o'clock and her sleep is just a hot mess, right? She can't fall asleep. She's waking up a bunch. She can't fall back asleep, right? So that's the problem. And so it's like, we have to put our finger on what exactly it is we're experiencing. You come to me and you talk about, I've got a messy gut. Is it bloating? Is it pain? Is it sharpness? Is it uneasiness? Do you feel like you're going to, like you need to put a cork in it because it's going to pop? Have you not had a movement in a while? So these are like, we have to get to the nitty gritty. What is really going on? Right? So the second part is then, okay, so what's causing this? And she just basically gestured broadly at everything, <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> Uh, life right now, right? And <laughs> so, like, are you living on the same planet as I am? Because <laughs> it's, it's obvious. <laughs> and so, again, it's an extremely difficult time to be alive. This isn't a snowflake thing. This isn't a participation trophy type thing. Objectively, it is difficult to be alive right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, just a little, another soapbox moment here is like, I was born a year before like the official start of the millennials. So I feel like mm -hmm. I'm in that group, but I'm really not. Um, but I'm in this unique group where I had an analog childhood and the digital adolescence, right? So I was one of those nerds doing the pre-internet stuff, right? The BBSs, right? Bulletin boards using dial-up modems and stuff. Most people don't even know what the hell I'm talking about right now, right? Uh, so, but the other thing that goes along with my generation is this gassed up on capitalism push that we had. You know, like how we were like really the first group of kids where it's like you have to be well-rounded. You can't just be good in school. You have to do all these activities and, and excel in sports. So you had to do all this stuff, right? And then you're going to have the American dream and you're going to do better than the generation before you. And now we're here, right? So we have this conflict. So there's kids that have grown up in this darkness, right? They grew up in a world where everything was just kind of broken. So they just had their spirits have been broken like whatever, you know, but then we have mm -hmm. folks like me and my peer here, and this is important to our story is that, you know, she's one of those pushers, you know, she wants to keep climbing and keep going because that's how she was trained, you know? And so that causes stress in and of itself. It's a conflict, right? So she had all of that. She's a teacher. So she's on zoom all the time. So she's stressed out about that. It's two weeks until this election. So we're just exhausted. Even just thinking about a president, <laughs> who cares? 
go shake hands with other presidents, shut up and leave me alone. Right. So, so she's got, (laughs) she's got all this like underlying worry and anxiety going on in her life. So we've identified then what's causing the stress. And and again, it's okay to, to be okay with all of this. So there's a lot of stuff to unpack. And that's why it's important that a medical professional's involved right away to make sure that this doesn't get weird or ugly and you can, you have the tools to, to like work through this. Okay. So then, you know, the third part is looking at what are the other things that could be the issue? This is the, the wellness pyramid and this is the chicken and the egg part of the conversation. Does she feel worn down because of stress or is it because she's not sleeping? Right. Or is she not sleeping because of stress? And then that's making her feel worn down. So it's a chicken and egg kind of situation. So all of this stuff needs to be fixed to fix why she's feeling like crap. Right. If she's not sleeping, she's not eating, you know, it's going to just amplify everything else. So we need to tweak the nutrition again, small, frequent meals, balanced. And then I always say go heavier on fruits and vegetables during this time because it's going to improve mood just based on the data that we have. She didn't have enough fluids. Uh, she was drinking coffee a bunch, so we had to bump up her fluids. And then I believe a bigger contributor to a lot of people that are telling me that they feel run down during the day is sleep. Uh, I think it's a bigger contributor. Um, it's it's really, you know, and I, I can say this from my own experience, of course. So, you know, so with her, I just went over the sleep stuff. We beat that up enough on the podcast here. So just check out any of our old content on sleep. But then we came to a place where CBD, a calming agent, is probably a smart option for her. So she has some anxieties during the day. She's having difficulty falling asleep. So that's an anxiety signal normally. And then she's waking up and can't fall back asleep. So CBD fits in great. And we've never had CBD before, right? CBD is new to us. And so when we could, you know, before we'd have to use these longer acting herbs that are a little bit more potent or drugs, and we don't want to do that. So we have this nice titratable thing, right? So- we can use a small dose right before bed, repeat the dose if she wakes up, all of that stuff, right? So so CBD was the first supplement that we come across. And so when it comes to calming agents, that's my go-to. Other options that are like a little bit less potent than other things available, things like passion flower, things like holy basil. Passion flower can be used kind of as needed, where the holy basil is taken normally on a more routine basis. Both of those things <laughs> can fit into that, that calming bin. So we decided CBD was the best fit for her. Um, then we're, you know, we're, we're still in the wellness pyramid mode. So we're still talking about like the doom scrolling and the de- device dependency. And that's important to disconnect from all of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I've got to do that. I, f- I feel like my brain's mush right now. So, um, and to be honest with you, like I said to her and I say to all, all you folks out there, I believe just these tweaks alone are enough to radically change how she feels just by adding a little CBD, sleeping a little bit better managing her stress a little bit differently and eating and drinking better, she's going to feel better. You know, it's not going to be instant. And that's really what we have to kind of get to. So, so the next step here is once we've addressed, you know, like the strike, what are the options that we have? So let's, let's pick some stuff, right? So, so it was clear to both she and I that she needs that calming. So we gave her the CBD, but then the other issues of daytime fatigue, lack of energy, we had to address those. So I went with vitamins and what would be considered an adaptogen? Okay, those are two other categories of supplements we talked about last time. So a lot of folks will reach to B vitamins whenever we talk about stress, especially like the B vitamins for energy thing comes up quite a bit. And I think it's the right campground wrong tent, okay? B vitamins help people with energy in two ways. One, if you have a mild like subclinical anemia that's normally caused by B12 or folate deficiency, correcting that, will make you feel better, make you feel more energetic. 
Otherwise, a lot of B products are typically, I don't know, laced with sugars or like amino acids, right? Those uh, five-hour energies, those kinds of things. So it's not the yeah. B vitamins in there. It's not the B vitamins that are in these adrenal products. It's it's the idea that we may be correcting a, uh, like a subclinical anemia or it's the other stuff that's in there that's either a stimulant or just something that's calming you, making you feel better. So then you have just generally more energy. But I do believe that foods rich in B vitamins are different. So I don't eat organ meats. And I know that organ meats are essential foods. They have collagen, they have B vitamins, they have lots of micronutrients that are helpful, but we don't eat a lot of those in our diet. So I actually reached for uh, bee food, which is the Nutriplex. We had Nutriplex uh, owner uh, Vic Shane on the podcast talking about whole food formulas. I've been using bee food for about a decade here in the practice. And like, um, I've had people stop drinking coffee because it helps them so much with energy. So, um, so I felt like, you know, if you look, cause she was kind of looking for something to give her some relief in the next couple of days. Well, this is a healthy thing. These are food powders put in a combination and put in a tablet three in the morning, three in the mid afternoon. Let's see what happens. Right. Um, the idea of like this adaptogen thing, right? So I was kind of saying, listen, if you're looking for you know, that first one is for that energy, you know, and then there's the idea of the endurance. Like, can I make it through the day? Can I focus on a task? So that's where I was like, I love me some well-made mushrooms, man. Like if we can get some good mushrooms in here, like cordyceps, which, you know, has been known to help out with those kinds of things, supporting like energy and endurance and stamina. Um, that's probably great. So I, that's what I recommended. Of course, real mushrooms guy. Chilton is our guy. And, um, I think a couple of those bad boys a day support energy levels really nicely. So here's the important thing. What we didn't do is all that other stuff, right? So the glandular products, I don't want to mess with people's hormones. I try not to do that. Um, the, as I call the HD Sims, we just kind of beat up on this, the idea of the high dose synthetic isolated micronutrients, right? We don't mm -hmm. want people taking high doses of bees. That's not going to help. We want foods rich in B. We're not doing that whole thing. And the other thing we're not doing is like a big fat combo that has a million things and it's labeled and marketed as a stress relief or adrenal support. That's silly, right? So really what we're doing is like targeted therapy in combination with lifestyle modifications, core nutrients, and professional help after we've identified what's really going on with her, how she feels, and all of the things that could be contributing. Right. So we're being much more thoughtful and much more strategic about this whole situation. The, the fifth step here is then experimentation. Right. So she's got to try it. Right. Tighten up the nutrition, right. not that Instagram, you know, plant based burger thingy that we've been talking about. She's got to eat to fuel her fire. Right. She's got yeah. to address those sleep patterns. Use that CBD mindfulness meditation to disconnect. Do the stuff. Right. And I think she's going to have great results from all of this, um, but it's entirely likely it's going to miss the mark for her. It might not be right. We're just guessing, you know, we're, we're trying, yeah. making educated guess. So we have to try it. So this is experimentation. And this is why it's important that you have a targeted strategic approach because how much anxiety you're going to get if you get all this stuff, you're like, oh my God, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm still not getting the results. There must be something wrong with me. Then the judgment sets in and it adds a huge boulder on your back when you're trying to deal with stress. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so I, I kind of hope that helps. And, you know, I think that on a, like a final note, some people they're looking for like this general stress management, their symptoms 
are a bit more nonspecific. So she was very specific about what's going on. And people are like, oh, I think it's stress. I don't feel like myself, but nothing in particular standing out. That's when I'll go for a, a basic combo. So ours is called adrenal uh, cortisol support, vital adrenal cortisol mm-hmm. support. And so it's got some calming agents, some adaptogens and stuff like that. And it's totally fine to use combos. I just don't think the combinations that are on the market are sincere. They're just low doses of stuff to make it look like they have lots of things that are different from other groups. They're not using the right doses, the right forms. And it's just kind of throwing a bunch of spaghetti against the wall to see if something sticks, right? People are afraid to stop things that feel like they're working because it, you know, like what, what would happen, right? So they just want you to get stuck on these things. So So last week we were doing this and we were kind of speaking much more generally. And I I hope that focusing here on this real situation and getting a little bit more specific can shed some more light for folks because stress is super pervasive. And I picked her out of the, you know, multiple conversations I had because she seemed like every woman. (laughs) She seemed like everybody I've (laughs) talked to. She represents really a lot of what people are dealing with right now. You know, it's that kind of multifactorial stress that's general and affecting performance, affecting sleep and affecting everything. And so you could take another listen to what we just said for a really good game plan. If you fit into that bin, if she sounds a lot like you, you know, um, and you know, for me, it's, it's like right up the, I'm like right there. Like I, uh, you know, my thing is sleep. I, I'm not sleeping well, so I'm not performing well. I've got the general stress that everybody else has, you know, um, and, but I'm using me- mindfulness meditation and my nutrition is pretty tight despite like my birthday celebration, you know? So what do you think um, about that? I, I think that's great. And I also have a few little anecdotes of my own that have worked that I believe are relevant to everything you just suggested, which is as far as, Overall calming of nerves, which to me equates getting rid of, um, you know, like coffee or five hour energy or whatever. I have suggested this before. Have a 20 ounce glass of water like next to you for when you wake up within minutes of waking up. Just slam that water as (laughs) as much as you can handle, because I swear to God, it gives me more energy than coffee ever has. And I don't know if it's simply the taking in of that much fluid upon waking or if you know like drinking that much water helps um like get your body like awake and alert whatever it is i just i recommend this to all my friends when they're complaining about being tired and it also helps curb my desire for coffee later in the day mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're one of those people who has coffee throughout the day, just like give this a shot. Mm. I'm not promising it'll work, but it really made a difference for me. Yeah. I mean, and so then by yeah. the end of the day, you're not like all jacked up on coffee and having a hard time falling asleep. So I think it helps in those two ways. You know, it'll help not needing coffee during the day and it'll help you get to sleep, which becomes its own regenerating process. Absolutely. And the you know, the note here is that, yeah, hydrate, you've, you've just fasted, you've been without fluids for a while. And I tell people a couple hours before bed, you shouldn't really drink anything. So you're not waking up to go pee, right? So rehydrating is important. Now I did have somebody, this is a really kind of interesting tangent. I had somebody that was complaining about bloating constantly through the day. And I, I don't know why I didn't ask this question, but I guess she would wake up in the morning and have 32 ounces of water in one shot because she had heard some somewhere that that's what you need to do to start your day. And I'm like, well, you're literally putting a half of a gallon into your belly 
first thing in the morning, no kidding, you're bloated all day, you know, like that's what that is. And so, you know, just make sure that you are limiting it. You know, don't, don't drink a bathtub full of water, you know, for sure. You know, actually where I got this idea was that I had heard 40 ounces of water and I was like, that's impossible to drink in one sitting. And so, you know, I just like, I have my reusable 20 ounce cup that I just got from home goods. Anyone can go get it, but that's about as much as my stomach can tolerate. So I never try to push it more than that, but Mm -hmm. I just cannot drive home how much energy it gives you. And like I said, it really helped me to replace coffee. The other thing I was going to suggest is the American Heart Association has suggestions on how to de-stress. And one of them was what the Japanese called forest bathing, which means just going for a walk in the woods and enjoying the nature. And I think that's sort of obvious to anyone, like if you want to relax, just get out of the rush of your everyday. But I think the key to this is that you cannot bring any devices. Like the idea is to be in nature, hear the sounds, feel the fresh air and the sunshine. And so if you cannot do that, if you don't have time to go get lost in the woods and find your way back, I think just finding any amount of time in the day to sit in silence, I realize that's sort of what meditation is, but maybe people don't think of it that way. You really need time where you're just not taking in anything. You're just in the quiet. And that's really what's going to help you decompress. Now, I do recommend personally from, again, my personal anecdotes, uh, whenever I go for a walk with no device and I just appreciate the quiet, I notice that my um, uh, my instincts come alive. Like you can really feel that when, when suddenly like something comes into your space, you know, like around here, it'll be like a squirrel or something. You can sense it before you hear it. And that's because I think that we're just so dampened by all of (laughs) what society throws at us that we forget that we're still animals and we have instincts. But when you take that time to get away from all of that, you can feel the de-stressing and suddenly you realize that you have all these other senses that have been just pushed out of the way. And it's nice to have them reactivated so that's that's my recommendation. If you can get into the forest without your device, just like take that time. And if you can't go sit in your car, but make sure you're sitting in the quiet and it just really helps to de-stress. Right. Absolutely. One hundred and ten percent. So, you know, just to kind of close this out here, like it's a difficult time. So do not hesitate to ask for help, even if it's just calling me. I'm here. I'll listen. You know, I, I do all this stuff. So I'm thinking like while you're doing this, I was actually just texting our uh, e-commerce manager. Um, so I'm thinking that I'm going to have Jay make up a discount code for any of you listeners here. I haven't done this. I don't think ever. Like if you want, you can go to the site, the stuff that we've talked about, the beef food, the cordyceps, the cortisol support. Um, you can go to woodstockvitamins.com. Um, we're going to use the code stress podcast, S T R E S S podcast. Um, at checkout, you'll get 10% off any of those things. And, um, if you want CBD, you can. You have to call the store, though, because we can't sell that online. So it's 845-521-7455. Just mention that you heard this on the podcast. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. Um, so so uh, like, if we don't have anything else, I think that's enough of a show for me. And I'm not doing my old sign-off, so I'm going to do a stupid medical joke if everybody's ready. So here we go. <laughs> oh, lay it on us. All right. A patient comes to a poorly trained holistic pharmacist. I'm having difficulty with my energy level, she says. I can't drag my butt out of bed. And the practitioner who 
clearly needs to go back to supplement school, uh, recommended her to eat yeast and car wax. Really weird, right, Dana? Mm. Yeast and car wax. Sure enough, after a week, she started to rise and shine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Go vote. Time to vote. <laughs>